when you're looking at a course and you're looking at the entry requirements, what are the, the grades that you have to get, what subjects do you need, and that includes A-level and GCSE subjects. So all of those things need to be considered. And where do you find that information? On Course Finder. So I think I've mentioned Course Finder like four times now already, but if you're listening to this and you want to know all the stuff that the girls are talking about here, Queen's Course Finder page is where you need to go. How did you, you get through that period of applying to all these unis and doing your research? I actually really like research, so <laughs> I'm nosy, I'm a nosy person, so... <laughs>
And it's good to kind of consider those, the, the types of qualification that you're getting whenever you're, you're looking at choices. And psychology, was that a choice you made based on your love for the subject or did you have a career path in mind? What were you kind of thinking when you made that choice? No. So from I was about nine, I've had a real passion for the education of people with disabilities, but specifically sensory disabilities. So when I'm older, I really want to be a qualified teacher of visual impairment. And I know that, that to get into that job, you either need to go down a teaching route or do psychology, then educational psychology. And teaching just doesn't <laughs> seem like it's for me. So I went down psychology instead. Amazing. It's really good that you've made that decision to look at the career first and work back from there. And I imagine you did the same, Inez, because you've done quite a vocational career path. Mm. What is What were your kind of choices in terms of your, your UCAS application? Um, so I looked at like different courses and things like that. I actually also applied for economics in the South because I was really interested in that. But medicine for me has always been what I wanted to do. So I looked at what different universities offered. I'm interested in doing a master's in the middle of my degree. And that's what made Queen's different was that it offered that option that other universities don't. And so it was, you, and in terms of your choices, I should probably mention that, that whenever you're applying for UCAS and you have those course choices, you can make up to five choices. Mm -hmm. But for medicine, it's slightly different. You can only make four to medicine-based subjects. Isn't that right? Um, for medicine, you can make up to four medicine-based choices and then one somewhere else. And in terms of your four choices that you made, one of them would have been at Queen's, obviously. And were the three other medicine choices at, obviously, unis in England or Scotland or further afield? The, um, well, Queen's was my main one, but I also had to apply to ones across um, the UK as well. Brilliant. Um, for yourself then, Georgia, you said you only made two choices. But as I say, how those choices are made up can be from it can be from five different unis. So you could apply for psychology at five different universities or you could apply for five different courses at the same university. It really is, a, whenever our, our listeners are thinking about a plan, it is a case that you can uh, mix and match with those choices across universities and across courses. So it's important to, to have a range of different things if you're not sure what it is that you want to study. The final section then of the, the application process in general is called your personal statement. And we'll talk a wee bit about that in, in later on in the podcast here. But effectively, the personal statement is your way of detailing all the skills and achievements that you have. And it's a really great way uh, to kind of showcase yourself to the university. But we will, we'll, suspense will be killing our <laughs> listeners, but we will talk about the personal statement uh, in a wee bit more detail later on. Now, once you apply, through UCAS to go to university, you fill out all those different sections that we've just talked about, but there must be deadlines to those that can't just kind of rumble on all year. So um, what was the deadline when you applied in September of your year 14 year, Georgia? What was the deadline for you to get your application in? It was the middle to end of January, I'm nearly sure, but we were all um, told to get our personal statements in sooner so that we had time to go over them and fix them and change them so we could just send everything away at once. All the careers teachers out there listening to this, will, that will be music to their ears because while, while January is the official deadline, it's really important to get it in as soon as possible. Like you say, to check over your application, to check your personal statement. It gives the teachers a bit of time to do the references, which they do for each person. So while there is a, a deadline for January for the vast majority of courses, um, if you can get it in a bit sooner, that's really important as well. And for medicine um, and also for dentistry and veterinary science, and if you're applying to Oxford and Cambridge, the application is slightly earlier. What was it for, for you? Um, so it was the 15th of October for me, technically. But like Georgia said, it was definitely a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah. And again, you probably were told in, in lower sex in year 13. Um, 
you need to start thinking yeah. about this because as soon as September hits, like whenever you start upper sixth in year 14 in September, it must be quite daunting thinking oh, by the by next month, I need to get this application in. Did you did you find that? Were you able to cope with it okay? Um, well, I was kind of starting to do it over the summer because I also had an exam to revise for to apply to medicine. So I was kind of already in that mindset. Um, but definitely by the time September hit, it was starting to get quite serious. Definitely. And that, that is the case for most people. And I'm glad you mentioned for medicine specifically uh, and also for dentistry and for uh, for those two courses specifically, there's a, a test that you have to do in the summer between year 13 yeah. and year 14. And that makes up part of your application as well. Um, for courses like psychology and other courses, that's not the case. But again, we'll, we'll touch on that a wee bit later on. But uh, it's important that you mentioned that, Ines. Um, so the deadlines are there. You, you get your application. You, you hit the deadline. Whenever you're kind of deciding on the courses that you want to study, what are the things you're doing? You know, what, How are you actually going about and researching these courses? What are you looking for out there to find out about the course? What did you do, Georgia, when you were thinking about applying for psychology? So I looked on UCAS for the different universities that offered the course I wanted to do. And that's a really, sorry to interrupt, but that's a really good starting point. You know, if you're not sure what you want to do and you've all this choice, go on to UCAS website. They have resources there to help you. So that's what you did. You went straight to UCAS. It can be daunting. There's so many choices, but I just narrowed it down by putting in the search bar psychology because I knew that's what I wanted. And after I found the universities that done psychology that were where I would be willing to go should I get the offer. I went on to their website specifically and I looked at their um the modules that that current year were doing and I looked at to see what all their topics were to see if I'd be interested in their topics and that was a big contributor of why I put Queens first was because their modules just seemed more interesting to me. And I think honestly I think that's such a smart way of doing it because a lot of people will just oh, I'm kind of good at maths and skills, so I'll just do maths. And they don't really do the research and look and see what's involved in the course. So you've gone on to the Course Finder page on our website, which if you're looking to know about Queen's courses will, will, is where you would go to. So you go to the Course Finder page and it details all the different modules that you'd be able to study uh, on the course. So I think that's a really, really good starting point in terms of doing your research. Were you similar, Ines? Did you kind of go to the Course Finder page and look around that? Yeah, it was pretty similar. So I went on to the different pages of the universities and I looked at how they taught the course because I suppose at certain courses it doesn't really depend on the modules. Like medicine, you kind of have to do everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's more so like how it's taught. Um, but I found it really useful to look at like YouTube videos and podcasts like this as to how students find it, how the university approached it. And also it's fun to also do like little virtual tours of the cities themselves when you're not familiar. Like even Belfast, I didn't really know it that well. I know that's, again, really, really important thing to do. Um, you mentioned there, well, one part of that is you would have had to go to, again, the course finder page mm-hmm. to find out information. Modules is one thing on there, but also entry requirements is probably yeah. a big thing that you're looking for. You know, you'll know kind of how you're getting on in your exams through the years. So was the entry requirements a big factor in, in deciding what course you wanted to study as well? Um, not f- Well, I thought that it would have been a bigger deal than it was, um, but I had already applied to um, Queen's at the start of this year. So I already had my AS grades to go off and that's 40% already. So I got three A's, so they weren't really that much of a worry for me. But I know that if I put Queen's first and it's got higher grade boundaries and I can just fall back on the other one and then I'm at least going to get one of the two. 
totally. Um, and it's, I mean, for you, because you did so well academically, well done on your asses. Thank um, you. It wasn't <laughs> a big of a consideration. Other people, it will be a big factor. You'll want to go and look at those entry requirements. And I know they're really high for, for medicine as well, uh, or an sorry. I suppose you did like have to look at them, but for medicine, they're kind of the same everywhere. Across the board, yeah. Like it's, um, it's kind of like the same. Um, but it was also, I know other people who maybe went through the pathway program and were offered lower grades, which is a really good offer um, and way to go in as well. Definitely. And there are opportunities like that. That's kind of, um, it's not quite a scholarship, but it's a program mm -hmm. that we offer to students from widening participation backgrounds. So um, if you've maybe been in care or you're a carer or you're from um, an area of deprivation, there's a whole list of criteria that would mean you come from a widening participation background. And if you meet that criteria, you may be eligible through the pathway program to get that grade mm -hmm. drop. So definitely when you're doing your research, when you're looking online uh, and when you're looking at those entry requirements, it's important to consider all those things, what the entry requirements are. Are there any support available? And another big thing would be subject requirements. So for some courses, you would have to study particular subjects at A level or um, alternative qualifications as well in order to be eligible for those courses. So actually, I know for psychology, the you needed to achieve at least a, a B in MAS, a GCSE. So that would have been one consideration you would have had, uh, Georgia. Did you did you look at that when you were applying? Yeah, I checked all the GCSE um, requirements and then all the A-level ones as well. There wasn't really specific ones for A-level, but I had got my Bs in MAS and English. So that wasn't really a concern of mine. But at the time, had I have known that, during my GCSEs, I probably would have worked harder in maths and English. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've been working really hard. You've done really well. Um, but no, it's it's important to consider those things. When you're looking at a course and you're looking at the entry requirements, what are the, the grades that you have to get? What subjects do you need? And that includes A-level and GCSE subjects. So all of those things need to be considered. And where do you find that information? On Course Finder. So I think I've mentioned Course Finder like four times now already, but... If you're listening to this and you want to know all the stuff that the girls are talking about here, Queen's Course Finder page is where you need to go. Um, what do you think was the biggest factor in making you decide to come and study or to, to at least put in a, an application for Queen's? What was like the biggest thing for, for you guys? And as I'll let you answer this one first. What was your thoughts around that? Um, again, it was the teaching style is what I really liked about Queen's. So with my course, we did a case-based learning. So it's really interesting to not just learn from your tutors, but also from your peers and to get that kind of like early opportunity to like teach and present. Um, and I also really like there's like early clinical contact. So, for example, from first year, we've been going out to GP practices. Um, and even this year, some people have been in the hospital and really seeing that early on and knowing that your learning is going somewhere and contributing to that further knowledge. Um, and there's also specific things about Queen's. So I think I mentioned before, I really wanted to do a master's in Queen's. Um, it was one of the only uni unis that would let you have that opportunity to do it and to do it in kind of whatever you want. You can even go away for it. Um, and also there is like um, anatomical teaching, which is only in three other universities in the rest of the UK, I think. Um, so that was a big plus as well. I was really interested in that. And having just finished two years of it, it's been brilliant. Excellent. And I think what's coming across there is, you've really done your research into the course mm -hmm. and you're able to go, well, I want to study it because of everything you just mm -hmm. mentioned. Um, and that's so important. Assessment and how it's yeah. taught is really mm -hmm. important for you there. And again, that's information that you can find mm -hmm. on our Course Finder page. So you can go into each of the modules of the course and you can find out how it's taught, how many hours it's taught, how many, how many hours you're in big group lectures, how many hours you're in smaller seminars. So all that stuff is available and it builds up a really good picture of what the course is like 
and then you can make that informed decision as to whether or not you want to study it. For you, Georgia, then what was it specifically? What was the one thing that made you think, you know, Queen's is the right choice for me? Um, I'd already made my firm choice at this point, but I'd went to the open day and it all just felt really friendly. Um, school at the minute feels really friendly and so did primary school. And I was really worried that once I went to university, it would be too formal. Yeah. You know, like I would feel like I was in this big, scary place with big, scary people, but that's not how I felt whenever I went to the open day. That's really, really pleasing to hear because people do have those feelings when they, certainly when they go to open days and probably whenever you start, mm-hmm. you probably have those yeah. feelings as well, Inez. But it's lovely to hear that you had a really positive experience from our open day. Um, that's great. I suppose my final sort of question around this is, at the time of applying to uni, which a lot of people listening to this will be doing right now, it must have felt quite daunting. It must have mm-hmm. felt like there's so much to do here. On reflection, what do you think was the best way of managing your time? How, how do you, how did you, you get through that period of applying to all these unis and doing your research? I actually really like research. So <laughs> I'm nosy. I'm a nosy person. So I was researching everything. I, we started looking actually at universities from year 11. So I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what was going to be expected of me. So whenever it came down to it, I don't think it felt as intimidating as it would have if I had have just started whenever I needed to or as I started really early. So if I was to give anyone advice, I'd say start looking as soon as possible because then you're going to have your own ideas in your own head but also in careers classes conversations with your friends about what they want to do you kind of think through conversations with other people really really informally and naturally that you know is that something I'm going to feel comfortable with is am I going to enjoy it because being able to enjoy something is going to be a big part of whether you stick at it 100% you know and if you're not sure what you want to do and you're really torn choose something that you enjoy because like you say you will then want to stick at it and, and opportunities, if you pick something you enjoy, opportunities will present themselves as you go through uni. So really good bit of advice there. What about yourself, Inez? Something similar? Um, yeah, I think like you said, like it can be scary if you let it. But I also thought like this is probably one of the times in your life that it's one of the only things, one of the only times you're going to get to do it. So just enjoy it. Like I really kind of soaked it up. Like I said, I like looked at the university, like what the student life was like, what the city was like. And you know, I remember like looking at all the different forms of accommodation in Queens and kind of imagining what it would be like to live there. Um, so just enjoy it, like really look into it and enjoy the process. Amazing. Now, Georgia, um, you mentioned earlier you wanted to um, become uh, get into a career later on in, uh, around visual impairment and you have a visual impairment. And was that something that kind of affected your choices when it comes to choosing a university or were you able to did it not really affect your choice how how did you find that experience yeah um it affected my choice because I wanted to think logistically of how I was going to find each subject like I very nearly applied for geography but there's a lot of physical work that I thought that my eyes just really struggled with and I didn't want to be strained and tired knowing that other things going on maybe later that day so I think thinking of the visual fatigue that I would have suffered had I have done a subject so practical um, that was a big deciding factor. But also, whenever I was speaking to the university about it, they were very accommodating, saying that they would do what they could to help, that I could get all these like practical assistance and things like that. But it just, I think it kind of put me off a wee bit because I didn't want them to finish university and be looking for a career 
and then in the career not have the same support as I had in university. So I think when it came to the, my visual impairment, I had to think further in the, the future about what I was actually going to do with my degree once I was finished. Again, I think that's such a mature and brilliant way to think about it because, you know, you have this thing that you, you, you know, this disability that you, you live with and you deal with it amazingly, but you have to think forward and think, how is this going to affect me in later life? So that was a really, really smart decision. You mentioned there that the, the university, you know, had a, you had a conversation with them. Once you applied for the course, how, when and how did Queen's get in touch with you? It was actually very quick. It was only about two weeks after I applied. Um, the disability supports officer got involved. To um, She asked me to fill out forms about what I might have needed and how much help I thought I would need. And they've also stressed a lot that they would rather give me more and then for me to say I don't need it than have me go without come the start of the year. So that was really reassuring. And it was nice to know that they were fighting in my corner from I've put it down as a choice. Amazing. And it's good that, you know, obviously our disability services team are amazing. They will do that with applicants. Once you apply, they will get in touch and talk about all the kind of adjustments or allowances they can, they can uh, make for you. Have you had regular contact with them or was it just that initial meeting or have you spoken to them since? Well, yeah, I have my needs assessment coming up over the summer. But during, they have also had a disabled students um, specific open day. So I went to that and I actually learned a lot during that open day. Um, it is going to be different to secondary school, but not within the supports that they offer within how they're delivered. So I feel less stressed because... You know, speaking to people while I'm in school, they're like, oh, university's going to be a lot different. Like, you're not going to have a classroom assistant. And now I know that I'm not, but the same support's going to be delivered in a different way, which is what I'm going to want anyway. Come four years time, I'm not going to want someone sitting beside me all the time. I'm not going to want the same particular person in my lectures all the time. So I think having someone in the background is going to be what I want in the long run anyway. Definitely. And that'll be, you know, a transition from school where you have a support to maybe a wee bit less, but still there. And then, you know, after you graduate, you'll you'll be able to cope with that because you've had that experience. Um, amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I suppose if anybody out there does have a disability and they're thinking of applying to uni, like Georgia, don't let that put you off because there is loads of support available to you at Queen's. Um, and we would absolutely welcome applications from students uh, that have a disability. Yeah, but also remember that you've done it before. You know, you've moved from primary school to secondary school and look where you are now. You're fine. You're flying. It's going to be the same whenever you go from secondary school to university, only you're not going to be as young. And it's sometimes maybe harder to adjust whenever you're older, but you're going to get there in the end. Amazing. Georgia, you're an inspiration. I'm not even taking the mic. It's amazing. Um, now, on this podcast, we, we do a wee section called Mythbusters, where on the topic that we're talking about, applying to, to, uh, to, to university, sorry, we kind of dispel some myths. So Inez, one of the myths I have here is that the personal statement is the most important part of the UCAS application. What do you reckon? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think particularly for Queen's, I think Queen's is very holistic how they look at it. So they look at your grades. Um, like we said, for the pathway programmes, they'll look at sometimes other things. Um, I've heard, like you said, carers maybe. Um, but it is important, but it's not the be all and end all. Yeah, I mean, just sort of uh, to kind of get the the information out there. At Queen's, um, the main way in which we decide whether or not to make an offer will be based on um, a student's academic profile and we'll look at precise grades and not tariff points. That's sometimes mm -hmm. a question that comes up as well. So we're looking at precise grades as to whether or not we make an offer. 
We will read every personal statement that gets submitted um, through the UCAS application, but we will only consider those personal statements in what's called a borderline situation. So if we have two or three students who have very similar grade profiles and we, can, we only have one offer that we can make, it's at that point we would then look at the personal statements to see who would be best suited. But the personal statement is, it's a, a way of selling yourself to the university. You've probably done it most recently, um, Georgia. How did you find the process? Did you think it was important to do a personal statement? And what sort of things did you kind of include in it? Yeah, I thought it was important to do a personal statement because things like psychology, I wanted them to understand what the reason was I wanted to do it. You know, a lot of people are applying to psychology. I know that they maybe don't know what they want to do with a degree, whereas I'm doing it because I want I know what job I want in the future. So through my personal statement, I really wanted to stress the reason I wanted to do it. Um, but also the experience I'd had, like I volunteer at Bernardo's every second and fourth Saturday of the month. So that's been really interesting watching how the kids grow and learn and develop and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I included thing, things like that, but also my interests. I think it's, it was important that I included my interests as well in the personal statement. Definitely, because that personal statement, as I say, it's your way of telling the universities the type of student you are. It's your way of telling universities why you're motivated and committed to doing the courses. Um, some universities will rely very heavily on the personal statement. As I mentioned, at Queen's, we only look at it at, at a, in a borderline situation. So the fact that you're focusing on your skills, your competencies, the fact that you're focusing and thinking about why you want to study the course you're applying to, it is a really, really important exercise to do because it gives you that wee bit of reflection where you can go, do you know what? I've done all these skills. I've done this um, volunteering. And actually, I would be really well equipped to do a psychology course or a medicine course. So it is a really worthwhile, important exercise and it makes up part of that um, application process. Final um, myth that we're going to bust here you don't get much support in school when it comes to applying to university. Would you agree or disagree with that one, Ines? I would definitely disagree with that one. Um, I had a brilliant careers teacher and she gave us so much support and help. Um, she talked us through the process, what to do. If you ever had any questions, you were straight to that classroom. Um, and also she really made sure that we were informed about the process. I think particularly when there's so many things to do. You know, for example, I had to do a test for university and I had to apply early. Um, she was just very supportive throughout the way. And I would do a lot of work with careers teachers across Northern Ireland and, and the Republic of Ireland. And for the vast majority, that's the experience mm -hmm. I would say students are getting. You've got that careers teacher in school. You've got that guidance counsellor. Go to them and they will ask the questions, answer the questions that you have. They'll come to us specifically and ask questions. There's careers teachers that email me all the time. And I love getting those emails because it means the right information is getting out there to, to the students that are applying. So... If you're worrying about whether or not you're going to be able to organize yourself to get this personal statement done, to get the UCAS application done, know that there is loads of help and support in your school who'll be able to do that. Um, brilliant. Thank you for that sort of um, section. We've kind of covered off how you apply. Um, we've covered off what you do and, uh, and how you do your research whenever you're applying. Once you've applied by your 15th of October deadline or by your end of January deadline, What's the next thing that happens? Well, universities will consider your applications. They will look at all the, the applications that have been made and they will start to make offers. So these are the university saying to our applicants, yes, we want you to come study with us. 
if you get certain grades. Now, there are other types of offers, unconditional offers, um, but we'll not go into that. For the vast majority, you're going to get what's called a conditional offer, where you have to get certain grades in order to get a place on the course. So in terms of the the offers that you got, Georgia, did you get offers from, you, you mentioned earlier you had two, you applied to two unis and you got offers from both, I assume, did you? Yeah, I got unconditional offers from both universities. Amazing. Okay. Um, she actually got unconditional offers. Oh, sorry, conditional, conditional offers. I was going to say, that's... I got unconditional <laughs> offers. <laughs> yeah, they are quite rare, unconditional offers, to be fair. Um, so the fact you got a conditional one, that's what the vast majority of people do. They get those conditional offers. Was it long from when you applied to when you got that offer? Uh, what was kind of the time scale for that? No, it only took mine about a month and a half to come in, but then I had sent off my application quite early as well. I think I sent mine off in November time rather than the January deadline. And again, that's important. If you are in a position to get your application off early, that means that we can make the offer and it, it means we know our numbers and we can um, work towards giving more offers to more people if we have room. So the earlier you can do it, the better. And we would always encourage people to do that. Um, it was sort of slightly different for you, yeah. um, Inez. Once you applied, what was the next stage of the, the application process for you? Um, so I applied, like I said, in early October or September, more likely. And then I had to wait to hear about interviews. So I got an offer for interview in, I think, November. And my interview was one of the last weeks in December. So just after my mocks. Um, and then I sat the interview. Um, it was via Zoom and it was a multiple mini interview. So it was different stations. And um, then I had to wait for an offer and I was lucky I got an offer in March and then I just confirmed it and had to get the grades. <laughs> so uh, thank you for sharing that. I suppose what's important to, to note to people watching here, for some courses, there is this extra level of selection. So for medicine, dentistry, nursing, midwifery, pharmacy, I'm checking my notes here so I don't miss any. Medicine, dentistry, nursing, midwifery, social work and pharmacy, there's an interview mm -hmm. after you submit your yeah. application. If you want to study drama at Queen's, you would be invited for an audition. If you want to study music, you've been uh, invited to do a musical performance. And then finally, if you want to study architecture, um, there is a, a portfolio you would have to submit if you're not already studying art at A-level. So those are kind of all the extra levels of selection in terms of, of those mm -hmm. courses. If you're studying psychology, geography, English, uh, computer science, whatever... The, any other subjects, you don't have to do that. You didn't experience mm -hmm. that, Georgia, because it's not a no. course um, that offers a, an extra level of selection, but you did as studying medicine. Mm -hmm. and as, so in terms of that interview that you described, how did you go about preparing for that? Were you given support or were you kind of going into it a bit blind? Um, yeah, so I was given a lot of support by my school and by my careers teacher. Um, she gave us um, practice interview questions and things like that to go through. And there's also different books that you can get online and um, on social media and via the internet for practice questions. So I just practice with friends and with family. I'm sure they were loving um, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're a bit sick of it by yeah. the end of it, but all worth it in the end. And um, there's also different like webinars and resources like that. And Queen's actually has a society called Swat Up, which offers interview courses to um, secondary school students right. and um, to kind of prepare them for that. Yeah. that. So mm -hmm. a society we have at Queen's, yeah. they run this and then mm -hmm. students can, can sign up for it. Amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you find that helpful? I found it so, so helpful. It was very helpful. And they also give a day where they kind of went through what medicine was, what a day in a life was like um, and different things like that, which was really encouraging and kind of reassuring to kind of know what I was going into hopefully <laughs> and did you get any you know whether it be lots or little mm -hmm. did you get any work experience which kind of helped you 
Um, well, due to the pandemic and things like that, it was limited, but there's still a lot out there. So before um, lockdown, I was able to get a day's work experience in a GP. And then I also found that there's a lot of online resources. So there's different royal colleges in medicine. And for example, the royal colleges of GPs ran a work experience. Also different universities did work experience that were applicable to anywhere you applied to. Um, and there's also a lot of YouTube videos and resources out there about what it was like to be a doctor and to kind of gain experience and insight. Amazing. So there's loads of resources out there. There's loads mm -hmm. of help. Go seek it and you yeah. will find it. Mm -hmm. um, when you got to the interview, so you actually mm -hmm. were sitting down today, you mentioned it was on Zoom. Yeah. And you said MMI, which stands for multiple mini interviews. Yeah. Essentially, there's multiple stations that you go to yeah. and do a mini interview at each. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Was it difficult? Uh, Did you embrace it or were you nervous how did you feel about it um I was quite nervous but it was nice um that it was on zoom because you were just at home and once it was finished you just went back into the kitchen yeah. <laughs> but it, I thought it was really good to have like multiple different stations so for example if one was very nerve-wracking or very tough you just went into the new one fresh and you could use like some of the same examples for different ones um but I thought it was good I really enjoyed it and there's also different role plays that you could kind of act out but yeah excellent Sounds like you did loads of prep, so I'm sure, well, I'm sure it obviously went well for you. You're sitting here now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I suppose to, to reiterate that point, after you submit your application, you're waiting on offers for the vast majority mm -hmm. of um, courses. For other courses, medicine, dentistry, nursing, midwifery, social work and pharmacy, drama, music and architecture, there will be an extra thing that you have to do. And in your case, that was an interview. Mm -hmm. um, so after the interview then, what happened then? You just got, you were informed you did well and you got made an offer. Is that kind of how it worked? Um, yeah, you just had to be really patient because yeah. um, there's a lot of different rounds of interviews, so different like months. Um, and then I got my offer and I confirmed it. So I was just happy enough for that. Amazing. And uh, you brought up an point, important point there. It, no news is good news during that period where you're waiting for offers. Yeah. I know it can be frustrating when you have to wait, but our admissions team are doing everything they possibly can to get offers out as quickly as they possibly can. Um, but it is just when you are doing mm -hmm. different rounds of interviews, that it is a case that sometimes you just have to wait. Um, so, sorry, you just have to, <laughs> have to hold tight, yeah. but uh, hopefully it'll be worth it for you in the end. So after then, you submitted your, your application, you got your offers, you have to kind of make your firm an insurance choice, which you talked about earlier, uh, Georgia, which is the first choice, the one you really want to go to, and your insurance choice, your backup choice, the one that you would go to if you don't quite meet the grades of your firm. You find that all out on results day. You're about to experience results day. You've gone through it. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm guessing slightly nervous given <laughs> your, your reaction there. Are you feeling a wee bit nervous about results day? Yeah, I'm a wee bit nervous, but I've already done 40%. So, and also once I finish my exams, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Exactly. So. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, that's totally it. Be as prepared as you can for your exams. Go into that and then just... Sit back and enjoy your summer, I guess, would be the advice. You have exams coming up. When people are watching this, it will be the start of September, so it will be the start of a, a new academic year, but you've just gone through it. Um, so you're going to be sitting exams at the minute, isn't that right, Georgia? Yeah, I have my first exam um, this day week. Excellent. So This is my idea. This is a break, break from revision. That's good. I'm glad you see this as a break. Um, results day for you, Ines. How was it? Um, it was very nerve-wracking um, because we didn't have our ASs that year so we were kind of just it was all on the day um, but I would say be prepared the night before so I think I was a bit too prepared I had a list of all the numbers to call if I needed anything all the UCAS like um, see things um, laid out um, uh, but we've just done a podcast about clearing which um, yeah. our um, listeners will 
be able to listen to mm-hmm. before they listen to this one. And that was one of the things that came out of that. Yeah. Be prepared mm-hmm. um, on results day because if things don't go your way, there are other opportunities yeah. for you, but you just mm-hmm. got to be ready for it. So I think that was a good thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm always a bit of a panicker. I actually found it the other day clearing out my bedroom. Um, But just try and relax, do something fun the night before. And then on the day, I think just open them. I was so nervous too, but you just have to do it. Amazing. Good advice. Speaking of advice, we're going to finish up now because I think that's been a really good insight into how you apply um, the process you go through all the way through to whenever you get your decisions. And what would kind of be your lasting advice? If you were to give yourself some advice, looking back on a couple of years or around 12 months for you, what would be your, your advice? Um, Georgia, you can go first. Um, I would advise myself to apply for more courses, even if it's not exactly what I want to do. Um, if I were to do, do it all over again, I would maybe apply for social work courses as well. Um, although it's not what I want to do in the future, it probably would have been nice to have more to fall back on should results day not go how I want it to. So great advice. You have five choices on UCAS. If you're interested in a few things, why not use all five choices? You, you know, you might as well. What I would say to you is if, if your journey takes you towards social work, you can do a social work degree after you've done your psychology degree. So if that path <laughs> opens up for you, you can still do it. Don't worry, Georgia, you can. Um, what about yourself, Inez? Any, any advice? Um, I would just say be patient and enjoy it. It's such an exciting time in your life. There's so many different roads you can go down, so many different things you can do. Scary too, though. Scary too, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, but just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, soak it in and have a good time. Amazing. Girls, thank you so much for joining us. Um, that has been really insightful, really helpful. If anybody listening here does have any questions about the whole application process, um, our team, student recruitment team, are more than willing to, to help and assist you through that. So you can get in contact with us through studentrecruitment at qub.ac.uk. Girls, thank you again. Georgia, an absolute inspiration. Well done. Keep doing thank what you. you're doing. You're, you're an amazing role model. Georgia is currently in school and she's come to <laughs> come to Queen's, not currently, not right now, but she's she is has come to Queen's today to help us out with this, so we really, really appreciate it. And Inez, your insight into the whole process has been so valuable as well and, and keep smashing it in, as a medical student. Folks, thank you very much for listening and hopefully see you all on the next episode of the Life at the Lanyon podcast.